Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited-time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited-time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hello, America. Happy Monday. Happy Iowa caucus day. That's right. The 2024 election officially has its first vote today with the Iowa caucuses. Donald Trump comfortably ahead, but we'll see what happens. Joe Biden comfortably ahead, of course, on the Democrat side, but we'll see what happens. In the meantime, it's also Martin Luther King Day. Martin Luther King Jr., one of the great civil rights icons. He's a favorite of liberals, at least in lip service a lot of times, but not often when it's inconvenient. And sometimes Martin Luther King stood for things that today liberals in this country do not stand for. And today we're going to play an adapted version of a TV special that we did called What Would MLK Do About Anti-Semitism? We know, he told us. And we're going to explain. And I want to just tell you before I turn it over to the show. Why did I do this? About two months ago, I was at an event with young people, and not a single one of them knew that Martin Luther King and his civil rights movement was sewed together at the hip with Jewish Americans, from the Freedom Fighters and the March at Selma to the speech at Temple Bethel. But they're not teaching this in grammar school, high school, college anymore. So those young people coming out of school today indoctrinated to hate Israel, to hate Jews, to chant from the river to the sea, which means... Let's get rid of Israel, who falsely calls Israel an apartheid state, who said Hamas was justified in October 7th. By the way, none of that is true. Well, Martin Luther King would have stood up to them. How do we know? Because the next hour we're going to explain to you, we got great guests, Alveda King, the niece of Martin Luther King and one of his fellow civil rights marchers back in the day. We also got some other great folks. I'm really excited about the last guest. He is the head of the Temple Bethel, where in 1967, 57 years ago, Martin Luther King gave a speech where he not only embraced Israel, he sewed together the Jewish and African-American people in this country. And he described why anti-Semitism in every form needed to be repudiated. Well, that's why we want you to listen. And it's a very important show today. So check it out. Have a good one. And we'll be back Tuesday with our normal programming. And Tuesday, following the anti-Semitism special, Natalie Sandaji. Just remember that name, Natalie Sandaji. She is an American Israeli who survived the massacre on October 7th. Her story will bring you to absolute silence. You will hear a pin drop when she tells you what happened that day at the concert, how she nearly died, how she ran for four miles, how a hero in a pickup truck saved her, and what she wants for the Palestinian people, including those who perpetrated that heinous attack. You're going to want to hear that on Tuesday. That'll be a perfect follow to today's special. But now, without further ado, let's turn our attention to my Martin Luther King tribute to his fight against anti-Semitism. Yes, MLK fought anti-Semitism. In fact, I have a hashtag started on Twitter. Hashtag MLK fought anti-Semitism. Go spread that on Twitter after listening to this great show. All right. Have a great day. I'll be back tomorrow with Natalie Sandaji. I can't wait for that. All right. Have a good one, folks. Enjoy listening. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, 
committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free social security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash Just News. That's AMAC.us forward slash Just News. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now, get 15% off and free shipping at TakeLean.com. That's TakeLean.com and enter the promo code JUSTNEWS15. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS15 at TakeLean.com. One more time, TakeLean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. Happy Monday, and welcome to this special Martin Luther King Jr. Day edition. Tonight, we are going to issue some of the daily headlines and instead take a deep dive into a single issue that is troubling so many Americans. Why is it anti-Semitism is so rampant in America, and what would the namesake of today's holiday, MLK Jr., do about it? We're lucky we have the answers because Martin Luther King Jr. told us what he would do before his death. He stood unequivocally with Israel in actions, letters, and speeches. He overwhelmingly condemned anti-Semitism because he saw it as rooted in the same hatred that drove racism. And he stood arm in arm with Jews from Selma to the Temple Bethel in New York as he advocated for equality in America. But today, the very liberal movement that champions MLK in name on this holiday has a wing that embraces anti-Israel and anti-Semitic behavior. The acceptance of such hatred has driven a nearly fourfold increase in anti-Semitic incidents across America just since the Hamas attacks on Israel on October 7th. Tonight, we ask the questions, why? And the people who help us answer those questions have a direct connection to MLK himself. Over the next hour, we'll be joined by Alveda King, Martin Luther King's niece and fellow civil rights champion. We're going to hear from the head of the Bethel Temple, where MLK gave a famous speech in 1967 condemning the hatred of anti-Semitism and sowing the legacy of Jews and blacks together. And we're going to also hear from a leading academic who will explain how MLK's relationship with Jews and, the condemna- and his condemnation of anti-Semitism have been ripped from academic books, leaving generations of new Americans ignorant to this important history. As you heard last week, from our October 7th survivor, Natalia Sendegi. Ignorance and hate left simmer leads to the sort of heinous violence we saw perpetrated in Israel just 100 days ago. That said, I want to pause here and bring in my amazing co-host, Amanda Head from Los Angeles, to give us her top-line thoughts on this day of remembrance. Amanda, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, John. Yeah, these are these are going to be some important conversations, especially uh, as we live in an era where leftists in America are trying to destroy the fabric of our nation and the ever important history that tells such an incredible story. MLK is an integral part of our history of the last century. And while MLK, I think to a lot of people, isn't considered liberal enough by today's leftist standards, (laughs) The lack of education that you just highlighted, that lack of education of history, is leading to some very dangerous places like anti-Semitism that we have seen on college campuses. Now, you take two groups of Americans, black Americans and Jewish Americans, and they have both been on the receiving end of unexplainable, unjustifiable, venomous hate. 
over the course of our life as a country, the United States has been through some very dark times. Now, I wasn't alive during World War II or the Holocaust, and I wasn't alive during the Civil Rights Movement. So I will admit that I probably have some recency bias. But I see some pretty devastating attitudes towards Jews today like I have never seen before. And it harkens back to very frightening time in the 1960s and the 1970s and, of course, on April 4th of 1968 when MLK was assassinated. Maya Angelou once said, hate has caused a lot of problems in this world but has not solved one yet. And I want to find solutions and be hopeful about the future of our great nation. And I know that some of our guests tonight, like Dr. Carol Swain and Dr. Alveda King, they're going to be able to put us in a hopeful mindset looking forward and hopefully find some answers and solutions. Yeah, that's, that's right, Amanda. We did something special tonight to get us started on this journey. We put together a short vignette that captures in words Martin Luther King's very commitment to Israel, the Jewish people, and the fight against hatred in all of its forms, including racism and anti-Semitism. Uh, I don't think uh, violence is tactically sound uh, for several reasons. And I guess the basic reason is that uh, we are a numerical minority. Uh, we cannot win a violent revolution. So just from a practical point of view, I don't think it's psychologically sound either, uh, because I think it creates many more social and internal problems uh, than we find problems being solved. So for these reasons, I can't see the tactical validity of a violent revolution in our situation, nor the psychological value of it. Where Martin Luther King summoned us all, for more than any other event, the Holocaust gave rise to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the charter of our common humanity. And it contributed, indeed made certain, the long overdue creation of the nation of Israel. Hope is a refusal to give up. Wow, some powerful stuff, Amanda, because it's facts, it's history. It's been deprived a lot of generations, but that's where MLK was. And, you know, uh, this uh, inspiration for the special, you know, because we've been talking about it. I, I was with a group of young people back in mid-November, and uh, not a one of them knew that Martin Luther King marched with Jews at Selma or stood with Israel or condemned anti-Semitism as much as he condemned, anti, uh, condemned racism. And it shocked me. And I realized, oh, my God, yeah. somebody stole this stuff from the history books. Uh, that ignorance, I think, hurts us a lot today. I think you said it so well just before we went into that video. But um, this is a challenge. Be knowing the facts are important uh, if we're going to ever combat the hate that now uh, resides and drives all of this today. Yeah, I mean, the, the educational aspect of this obviously is, is so deficient. Um, I can't imagine growing up, going through grade school, and not learning about the atrocities of the Holocaust. And yet, time and time again, we hear the numbers regarding yeah. Americans who can't name a single concentration camp or ghetto, or the number of Americans who believe that Israel should actually be wiped off the map, or the number of Americans who, who don't believe that six million Jews were slaughtered in the Holocaust. And John, you know, you look at college curriculums today, even if you don't learn it in high school, you would like you would like to think that there were some type of courses you can take in in the history department at college campuses. Yeah. But you have so many fewer people who are signing up for Holocaust history or World War Two history classes and more people signing up for Taylor Swift anthology degrees. And I think, unfortunately, it's a sign of the times. But, I, you know, I think that these things are cyclical. And I hope that something like this, what we have witnessed since October 7th, and with the help of some of our guests tonight, that we're going to get some clarity about all of this and, and see something better going forward. Yeah. No, listen, it's a great opportunity. It's a great discussion. It's a little bit different type of show than we normally do, uh, but I think it is so important. Uh, Amanda, last week we had a chance to talk to Natalie. She is the young lady that ran from the concert from the Hamas killers. Uh, four miles she ran before a hero picked her up in a pickup truck, and she got to safety unlike a lot of her other peers that day. And she said something profound. I don't want to answer hate with hate. I want to change hate to hope, she said. But she also said that ignorance was the starting point. And I just thought that's so profound. Those words have been echoing in my head this entire weekend. Um, 
if we let this go on, you know, something like what happened on October 7th seems inevitable here if we don't start standing up to it. Yeah, I got to say, not answering hate with hate sounds real New Testament-y. Um, I loved her perspective on this. Um, I, I thought that she, I mean, so much grace that she offered. And by focusing on what you and I have just been talking about, the educational aspect of that, when you take away the element of ignorance and, and people not understanding the history of the Jews and the plight of the Jews and the history of the conflict of the Jews, um, you know, when, when people don't have that grasp of knowledge, it, it totally changes things. And when you supplant that with information, big things happen. Yeah, you're right. I asked her what, remember, we asked her what she wanted. She said, not uh, vengeance. I want democracy for the Palestinians. What a powerful thing to say from a victim. Yeah. Amanda, we're going to leave it there. We're going to come back. Dr. Alvita King, the niece of Martin Luther King, next, right after these messages. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back, America. As you just heard in that opening block, the extraordinary legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, and the, his ability to show this country uh, over a half century ago that the hate that was at the root of racism was also the hate at the root of anti-Semitism and bringing Jews and blacks together to create the great civil rights movement. It's such an amazing legacy, almost never talked about in schools today. Well, we want to bring you as close as we possibly can to the great legacy of Dr. King. Joining us right now is his niece, someone who knows him very well, who spent time in prison, who was right there in the middle of this movement as a youth organizer, Dr. Alveda King. We're very honored to have you on the show right now. Welcome. It's an honor to join you and your listeners and viewers, and I'm so glad to affirm the relationship between the Jewish community and what is known as the black community. When I was a young youth organizer, we were the Negro community. So I'm so glad to join you. Well, it is an honor, and your sacrifice fighting for civil rights, for liberties in this country, unheralded, uh, uh, unforgettable. I mean, you brought such a great contribution. Uh, but Dr. Ken, I want to ask about something. Why uh, did black Americans in the 60s and Jewish Americans find common ground? How did they get sewed together to make this extraordinary movement? Well, you have to understand that the civil rights movement of the 20th century in the 50s and 60s, even before the 40s, I was born in 51. Well, we were a people of faith. And of course, we read the Bible. Uh, the movement started kind of in the black or the Negro church with the black preachers, Martin Luther King. Being in those, my dad is brother Reverend A.D. King, Daddy King, their dad. And the Jewish community at the same time was experiencing uh, similar resistance and hatred. And so it was a natural connection, I would say, or a divine connection, depending on what you want to call it. And so the much of the movement of that time was funded by the Jewish community. And we marched together, went to jail together, and uh did protested, did so many things together, and often some lost our lives during that time as well. 
So for to suggest that Martin Luther King Jr. would condone some of what Hamas is doing and all of that is absolutely ludicrous. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Dr. King, I wanted to ask you about the, the concept of courage, because as we look back at the history books and we see uh, men like your uncle during the civil rights movement, but, you know, back even in the 1920s and 30s and leading up to World War One uh, and World War Two, there we see these these characters of courage throughout history. And as I look at young people today, I know you have a heart for young people, and that is a, a big part of, of what you talk about with your ministry. Are you are you seeing that type of courage in our young people such that we have a brighter future? One thing I personally am seeing courage among our young people. I'm seeing young people rising up asking questions and responding. What has happened? We dropped at least for a couple of decades, if not a full generation, not teaching the young people our history and teaching the truth. So when the young people hear the truth, they respond accordingly. And you see that they will begin to correct the, the misinformation that they have been fed. So the problem is they don't know about the history of the Jews, the history of the blacks. And until they know and learn that history, they're not going to be able to respond in a way that brings about healing. Yeah, that's such a great point that in, in trained ignorance in the education system, that was the most amazing thing back in November when I had a little event with young people. The education system didn't teach this part of Martin Luther King's extraordinary contribution to our society. Uh, how important is it that we get a hold of our education system, put facts back in it and get the indoctrination out? Well, one thing I've seen in the education community, uh, we have been brought in people who are anti-Semitic and they're teaching and they're giving the children and the young adults and the young people wrong information. That needs to be corrected. Uh, we noticed that uh, over at Harvard, for instance, the uh, president kind of reluctantly stepped down, really, and yeah. still tried to be a victim. I don't. I, maybe I didn't say that the right way. But some of those attitudes need to be corrected. And we should not have people leading our ed educational institutions who are giving misinformation which is bringing about division and hate and fear. We need courage, we need truth, and we need to understand. If you think about the history of the Jewish people, God's chosen people for a particular mission to bring faith and love and hope to the world. We have to know that God did that. And there is a joining, uh, you know, they say Judeo-Christian, but. I did notice, you know, all Muslims are not Hamas, so to speak, and many people in the Muslim community are accepting God and Jesus and all that as well. So there is so much misinformation and hate and fear, and we've got to get the truth out so that our young people can hold on to hope. Mm, so important. Dr. King, I want to ask you about something that I think is concerning for a lot of people um, to witness. We are seeing a very radical leftward shift in in what used to be maybe the democrat party but just liberalism in general uh and for some people your your uncle was not radical enough for him and he has become disfavored by certain factions of that party are you concerned about that trajectory what i'm concerned about regarding that trajectory is that people are forgetting the truth and that we have an obligation in the media. What we're doing right now is very informational. I'm praying that some young people get hold to this truth and explore and examine it for themselves. And so my only concern would be that good people would be silent and do nothing. That is what concerns me. So when we tell the truth, when we speak up, the young people will actually respond. So when I see evil or misinformation or hate mongering, I respond with courage, with truth, with hope. Now, if we continue to do that, we can truly not be as anxious and concerned as this stirring is trying to, where this is trying to drive us. But we have an obligation. You are meeting the obligation, and I'm very grateful for that. And as I say, the pressure that happened with some of these people in the educational system, for example, are being exposed and pressured out uh, of their positions because of this hate mongering. So we have to do more. We cannot sit in 2024 and be quiet and do nothing 
and bury our heads in the sand and expect things to work out. We cannot do that. Well, that is a lesson that you taught us firsthand because you got involved and you made a difference. Doctor, I want to ask about something. Somewhere tonight, there is a young person going to be at a protest chanting from the river to the sea. Somewhere tonight, there's a young government official making a false claim that Israel is an apartheid state. Somewhere tonight, there is a teacher preparing a lesson that is going to teach some young person that the color of their skin is going to determine whether they're an oppressor or the oppressed. For those who are misled and they're in those positions now, what's the most important thing you can remind them about their uncle? What story do you know about your uncle that would convince all three of them they've taken the wrong path? Well, what I think about from the river to the sea, I think that young people examine the history and from the river to the sea, and there's a Red Sea that was parted in the Jewish faith. And when that Red Sea was parted, the Jewish people went forth into liberty, the Hebrews, you see. So there we go. We take something, and it sounds good with a chant, and we are misrepresenting the truth. So there again, I have to say, that my uncle, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., if he were here today, would say, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. I'm sure he would remind us of that. And I say brothers and sisters. Also, one blood and one race, regardless of ethnicity or skin color. We are the human race, and there has to be human dignity. So this dividing and fighting and hating each other is not, going to bring us to a place of blessings. It cannot. Uh, such wise words. Such wise words. Dr. King, I want to ask you about um, another interesting aspect about this. I think probably 20 yes. or 30 years ago, you would have found that, that Jewish Americans and Christians obviously separated on the issue of Jesus. But what has been amazing for me to see starting in October uh, the Christian communities, evangelicals in America, rushing to the side and to the aid of Jewish Americans and supporting Israel in all of this. Um, has that been something that, that you've observed as well? Christians and Jews alike recognize Yahweh. That's one of the names of God. And that's mm -hmm. a good place to get started and to not splinter and divide. So I know that there are especially uh, now to nowadays you have some Messianic Jews say, for example, or those types of things. But our relationship with God Almighty, and when we go into the New Testament, I do have to remind people, of course, Jesus was a Jew, and Christians came out of that. Christianity emerged from that. So it's just kind of unfortunate that we begin to split these hairs when God really would love for us to come together. Yeah, mm -hmm. so true. Dr. King, I just want to say something. I've been able to chronicle your work for a long time, and I've seen you bring joy where there's despair. I've seen you bring peace where there's been dissension. And I've seen you bring uh, appreciation for life where there, there was a disregard for that. You have carried on your uncle's legacy in ways I'm sure you couldn't even imagine. But I want to thank you for all you do. You're a joyful warrior, but you are a darn impactful warrior. And on this day, I just want to thank you for what you do. <laughs> Thank you. Life from the womb to the tomb and beyond. And I keep praying that we all keep pressing on. Amen. That is our mission for tonight. That's the lesson we take from tonight's show. What a great honor, Dr. King, to have you on. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your family's legacy. Have a great night. You too. Thank Th you so much. Thank you so much. All right, folks. Wow, what an interview. That was pretty amazing. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. It's so amazing to think that the, the very party that says they embrace MLK and they have all these extraordinary events and they, they pay homage to the legacy, they have actually hijacked the lessons and the message that this great man gave. That's why anti-Semitism, DEI, CRT, they're all thriving right now because the lessons of Dr. King have actually been corrupted by one party. We're going to stay on this in a few seconds. We have another great, brilliant mind on the way. Dr. Carol Swain will be with us in just a few minutes. She wrote a great book, The Adversity of Diversity. You're going to hear about it right after these messages. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. 
So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, America. Those three Ivy League University presidents who testified before Congress late last year, it's been pretty difficult for many Americans to stomach the fact that they've done pretty much nothing to address or eradicate the blatant and overt anti-Semitism on their campuses. MIT's president has yet to resign, and one of the two who has resigned is ex-Harvard President Dean Gay. But of course, she remains on the university's payroll to the tune of nearly a million dollars a year. She's been accused of plagiarizing work written by our next guest. Dr. Carol Swain is a former tenured professor and an award-winning political scientist. She's gone on to write several best-selling books, including her latest titled The Adversity of Diversity. And she joins us tonight as we remember MLK and expose anti-Semitism. Dr. Swain, it is an honor to have you here with us tonight. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Dr. Swain, you, you to me epitomize a velvet hammer. You have handled all of this with respect to plagiarism with such grace, but, but also with tenacity, and you refuse to cower. And it's been it's been pretty remarkable to watch, but I want to I want to dig into some of the a historical aspect to this conversation, because historically speaking, there has been a really interesting relationship and dynamic and alliance between Jewish Americans and black Americans. So I just want to kind of use that to to start this conversation. Can you give us your thoughts? Well, I can tell you that over the 28 years I was a university professor, there were years when I taught courses on the civil rights movement, and I often use some of the films from the eyes on the prize. And as I have dug into American uh, the civil rights history, it is just so clear that there would never have been, I don't believe, a successful civil rights movement without the alliance between blacks and Jews. And uh, blacks marched along uh, quite Blacks and Jews marched alongside each other uh, in the South and went on those deadly freedom rides. Uh, Some of them lost their lives. And that was a relationship that was cherished up until the 1970s. I would say that it became frayed over affirmative action quotas. And that's really unfortunate because we know that the civil rights movement was about ending discrimination on the basis of race, color, national origin, sex, uh, and religion. And the very idea that the civil rights movement that Dr. King and so many other people fought for, that it has been turned upside down. And now it's DEI, which means lowered standards for racial and ethnic minorities and discrimination against um, whites and Asians and anyone else that not an accepted uh, group, according to the DEI people. They get to name the groups. Yeah, it's so important. Your book is a brilliant masterpiece because a lot of Americans, I don't think, understand that anti-Semitism goes from the DEI diversity movement. Um, And I'm thinking of this. Democrats have idolized Martin Luther King, certainly by lip service. But this is a man who said he wanted to wait for the moment when the character of a person mattered more than the color of their skin and when we would embrace Israel and understood that anti-Semitism, racism were rooted in the same hatred. Today, the Democratic Party tries to tell our children, your skin color determines your outcome and you should uh, be intolerant of Israel and Judaism. Uh, How did that happen and how big a fissure is growing between Jewish and black Americans and the Democratic Party because of the last few years? Well, my sense is that among people who are into critical race theory and DEI, Dr. King is not a uh, a person to be celebrated. If they cannot make King a communist and make him radical enough for their purposes, then he's not convenient 
the fact that he wanted people judged by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. Uh, with the DEI regime, they want people privileged because of the color of their skin uh, if they belong to the right racial or ethnic group. And it has turned um, everything that people gave their lives for and fought for during the 19, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, depending on when you trace the beginning of the civil rights movement, uh, what we have today is just, uh, it makes a mockery of the civil rights movement, the goals, and it is something that has reversed many of the gains that I believe racial and ethnic minorities have made over the years, because all of a sudden, blacks in particular are cast as victims, as uh, unable to, um, to really unable to take care of themselves, they're victims, and they are not even uh, deemed capable of being racist because according to critical race theory, only white people can be racist. Only white people have an obligation to solve racism. And a lot of the hatred I believe against Jews is because Jews are seen as very powerful and many of them are, but they're also seen as white. And so the people that hate Jews hate white people. Jews are a convenient target. And while I'm talking, one of the things that I noticed as a university professor is that the indoctrination at elite campuses, maybe it started in high schools, but I have met many Jewish students over the years who were anti-Semitic as well. Uh, I am pleased to report that some of these young people that I met while I was a university professor have matured and they realize that they're Jewish and that there's something special about being Jewish and their eyes have opened to the fact that progressives are not their friends. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a great point. I, I think that's spot on. And, you know, I think I think the, the testimony by these three university presidents, for a lot of people, it was shocking. Uh, but we've spoken to a number of university professors at elite universities, like where you taught at Vanderbilt and Princeton, who said, you know what, it's kind of been simmering beneath the surface for a long time. For these universities that have this this cancer of anti-Semitism on campus, how, how should they address it? Well, they first need to admit that it's there. And you may recall that right after President Obama was elected, you saw officials from the Muslim Brotherhood uh, speaking on campuses, and they were really, um, they got recognition and platforms that you would not have expected, but that began under the Obama uh, administration. And I can tell you that for myself as a conservative professor. I was not always conservative. When I was at Princeton, I was a Democrat. I had common sense. I've always had common sense, and I attribute that to having been born and raised uh, in the rural South. But um, what I saw was the speech codes, the, uh, the, the trigger warnings, and, and just the hostility towards uh, Christianity in particular, all of that uh, started to happen. And with the Jewish students on campus, most of them tried to keep their heads down low. They did not want to be involved in any of the conflicts. And they seem to have thought, and I'm just talking about now students that I knew at Vanderbilt, is that they just didn't want to be noticed. They didn't want to be involved. Mm. Unbelievable. Uh uh, Carol, real quickly, we got about a minute left. I met two amazing young Jewish women. They're running a group called Yala, and they're bringing Hollywood celebrities, others to Israel to see what it's really like, not what's been made. And they said to me the other day, we have one hope. We want to change hate into hope. And I want to ask you, because I know you've thought about this more than anyone I know, how does that dynamic begin? We got about a minute, but how would you start the dynamic of turning this hate into hope? Well, it, I mean, I'm not sure that I, I'm even equipped to to do that, I believe in truth. But when you're dealing with people who argue that there's no such thing as truth, it's very difficult to be able to communicate. And no matter what you show people, uh, they can always dismiss it. And I know that a lot of the anti-Semitism among blacks has to do with uh, tours that have been organized by pro-Palestinian groups right. that have taken black Americans to Israel and showed, shown them the settlements 
and they have really uh, painted a picture of 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 the um, of Hamas and the Palestinians as being similar similar to Black Americans sharing the same agenda and uh, having the same experience. We know that's false, but that's what they've done. They've done lots of propaganda. For the young Jewish students that want to show the other side and show hope, um, I would encourage them to do that. And I would also say that the other side has been doing it for a while. I don't know who finances those tours, but I do know that they have taken place and I've even had a relative participate in one. And as a consequence, he's not uh, pro-Israel. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody. As we have all seen time and time again from the Biden-Harris administration, they kind of like to talk out of both sides of their mouths on a lot of issues. And just like that tragic duo, our current Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has done the exact same thing, most notably in our last election cycle. While Schumer was running for re-election, he remained absolutely silent on anti-Semitism and largely abandoned Israel during a time in which the Jewish nation in the Middle East desperately needed stability and our support. Well, our next guest certainly didn't let that message go along the campaign trail while running against Schumer. Joe Pinion is New York's 2022 Senate Republican nominee, and he joins us now to talk about this historic day and the hypocrisy on the left on the issue of anti-Semitism. Joe, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Great to be with you guys. And yes, again, we ran uh, against Chuck Schumer for a pretty clear and convincing reason, uh, that for 42 years he has been down in Congress, 24 years in the United States Senate, and has spent the great majority of that time speaking out of both sides of his mouth when it comes to Israel and when it comes to the African-American community. And so, yes, mm-hmm. at a time when we have needed no greater ally for peace uh, in the Middle East than the Jewish state of Israel, to have somebody uh, like Chuck Schumer uh, pretending that he was blind Uh, to the rising tide of anti-Semitism here in New York, blind to the rising tide of anti-Semitism on our college campuses, blind to the rising tide of anti-Semitism that led to a boycott and divest movement coming all the way to the corridors of Congress. Um, I just thought that we needed to have a different voice. And as we saw on October 7th, um, that slow creeping anti-Semitism has now exploded onto the world stage in ways we haven't seen since the Holocaust. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. Uh, Joe, I want to ask about something because I've been covering politics since 84. and almost every election, Republicans tend to cede the Jewish vote to the Democratic Party. And you ran against that notion. You realized there was an opportunity and you, you leaned into it. Uh, October 7th probably only makes that opportunity greater in 2024. From the lessons you learned on the campaign trail, what's the important uh, thing that Republicans can do to open up a greater constituency among Jewish Americans? Well, look, I think first and foremost, uh, there is what the left says and there is what the left does. Uh, Chuck Schumer, to his credit, has always been against the Iran nuclear deal. The problem is that he was the one whipping the votes to ensure that that Iran nuclear deal passed uh, before he was able to vote against it uh, in the open public. And so uh, we have to remind people that the very individuals that knock on your door every four years or every six years in the case of the United States Senate saying that they are your champion 
are in some ways those same individuals who are going to undermine the efforts uh, to lead to a more secure Jewish state of Israel, who are going to undermine the efforts to have an African-American community here in the United States of America that gets to fulfill the full ambition of America. And so those failed policies on the left uh, that are undermining both of those demographic groups, we must take that message to the doorsteps and show people uh, that we're not just here to win. As Jack Kemp reminded us, we are here to be worthy of victory. Um, and I think if we have an America worthy of its promise, uh, that more perfect union, that arc of the universe that is uh, swiftly and slowly moving towards justice, uh, we'll be able to convince a lot of those people. Uh, we'll turn around states like New York, and in the process, uh, we'll turn around America as well. Yeah. That's a real opportunity. Joe, I want to ask you about this this interesting dynamic that I've seen with Senator Chuck Schumer, but I've seen it with them, some other Jewish American elected leaders as well. Um, they seem to have kind of a sporadic affinity for the Jewish community. When, when they're running for re-election, then they really cozy up to them and they really kind of become demonstrative and expressing their, their, the Jewish side of their heritage and their family history. And then at other times, like we've seen starting on October 7th, they're basically silent on it. And I've always, it's, it's always been such a conundrum to me. Um, that the Jewish community has primarily voted Democrat. But when you break it down to cultural Jews versus religious Jews, then there is a very clear delineation between voting Democrat and voting Republican. Speaking to to that side of things, the the religious Jewish side and the cultural Jewish side, do you think that the hypocrisy of people like Chuck Schumer, the fact that they only really want to court the Jewish vote during election time, do you think that that's going to bear a difference in the future? I think it absolutely will. And somebody like Chuck Schumer, who uh, calls himself the show mayor, uh, that again, that word uh, that is supposed to mean a protector of Israel. And yet many of much of what he does down in D.C. leaves Israel more vulnerable, leaves Jewish people uh, living in New York City, which I remind people has the greatest concentration of Jewish people not living in Israel, uh, more vulnerable. So I, I think this is a, a paradigm that we see on the left. Again, you have black politicians that say that you must vote for the Democrats or you ain't black like Joe Biden, uh, that there's only one way to be black in America, and that is voting Democratic. And yet the schools that black children attend disproportionately leave them unable to read at grade level. Here in New York City, 75% of the black students unable to do math at grade level. So we've got child abuse in our black communities and across all communities, by and large, because what Democrats have been campaigning on and then what camp what they're actually legislating on are rarely actually aligned in a way that is going to lead to optimal outcomes for the people that disproportionately vote for them the most. Yeah, so important. Joe, this show was inspired by uh, Martin Luther King's speech at the Temple Bethel in New York back in 67. Today, the party that says it idolizes MLK teaches that race determines your outcome. You're either an oppressor or uh, if you're based on your skin color or the oppressed. And then uh, they're almost always anti-Israel, uh, anti-Jewish at a time when Martin Luther King defended against both. Uh, is it time that schools go back and start teaching the real lessons of MLK? Well, look, I'll say this. Uh, it's very easy for people to cherry pick Dr. Martin Luther King's record. There's a Dr. King for everybody. There's a speech for everybody. Uh, I think that was in many ways his brilliance. Uh, but I think in many ways that's also the, the challenges of legacy. Uh, you have to remind people that there are plenty of shallow graves all across the South that have yet to been discovered, that hold the bodies of black people and Jewish people side by side. Those people that got on buses with black people in Freedom Summer uh, mm -hmm. to sit around and support those men in Memphis walking around with placards around their neck that said, I am a man. Uh, they didn't say that I am mm -hmm. a black man. They just said that I am a man. And so America at its best is to say that we are not going to be limited by the worst thing that's ever happened to us. We are not going to be constricted by the worst thing that we have ever done. We are a nation that believes in second chances. We are a nation that believes that the sins of the father do not accrue to the son. And I think that if we can reignite a belief in those underlying tenets, we will all achieve uh, that that America that we are seeking. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. 
Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back, America. And one more time, happy Martin Luther King Day. Very important day. We're so blessed to have been joined by so many great guests today. And make no mistake, our next guest... Maybe our last, but maybe also one of our most impactful. Gary Slobin is the president of the Temple Bethel of Great Neck, New York, the very place where nearly six decades ago, Martin Luther King Jr. delivered a speech to bridge a historic partnership between the black and Jewish communities. Gary, it's a great privilege to have you here. I know you commemorate this event often at your temple. Bring people up to speed because this is an amazing moment in the civil rights history uh, at your temple. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it's certainly been uh, a very important part of our temple's history. Uh, the Jewish community and the black community have worked together um, since the start of the civil rights movement to uh, try to bridge the gaps in our country at the time um, and some of the gaps that still exist, of course. And uh, in 1967, Dr. King spoke at our synagogue to a uh, packed house of 1,200 people and at that ceremony, at that speech, he talked about the two Americas, one um, that has the milk of opportunity and the honey of equality versus the one where hope has turned into fatigue. And it was his position and, and, and the view of the Jewish community that those two worlds need to uh, bridge and join in order to have a healthy America going forward. And we commemorate that every year on Martin Luther King Day uh, where we have uh, preeminent speakers come in, um, usually politicians and uh, leaders in the community in New York who come in and speak about Dr. King. And we have a, uh, a beautiful black Jewish dialogue and we have a choir um, from a church choir and our Jewish choir. And it, it's really a, a wonderful event. And, and this year we have uh, New York Governor Hochul speaking. Wow. <clears throat> and uh He's really done a lot for the Jewish community during this very difficult time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gary, I, I remember in that speech when he was talking about the two Americas, um, he said the, the buoyancy of hope had turned into the fatigue of despair. And they were such important words. And every time he delivered uh, public messages to people, people showed up. 1,200 people, like you said, at, at this at Temple Bethel. Um, if Martin Luther King Jr. was here today to deliver speeches like this, do you think that he would draw 1,200 people again? I, I, I think a, a man um, of his caliber, his quality, his intellect, um, I, I think he would draw a lot more than that. I think he could fill probably Madison Square Garden if he wanted to speak there. <laughs> I, I think this country is looking for quality leadership. Um, people who can really speak to the broad base of Americans as opposed to the the niches that we've developed in this country, both on the right and on the left. And I think Dr. King is someone who was able to do that and wish he was around to be able to do it now, because I think the country needs someone like him now more than ever. Yeah, I think a lot mm -hmm. of people nod in their head as, they, as, they, as you say those words. Um, a lot has happened in uh, the years since uh, Dr. King gave that speech, but there's still a persistency to some racism, still a persistency significantly to anti-Semitism. In fact, I think uh, in the last few months, there's been more anti-Semitic <laughs> uh, hate crimes in America than any time in recent history, like a 370 percent spike. It's kind of remarkable how persistent it's been. What are some of the solutions? I know you think about it, your community thinks about it. What what are some of the solutions that all of us need to pitch in to try to end this trend towards more anti-Semitism, not less? Yeah, it's, it's really 
unimaginable to me that we would have this kind of anti-Semitism problem in this country in, in 2024. Uh, I, I came to this country as an immigrant from the former Soviet Union. Uh, I was five years old when I came here and wow. we, we left the Soviet Union to escape uh, this type of anti-Semitism. And uh, this country has been great to me and to my family. And I love this country more than anything. And um, to see so many in our country turn on on our people is is heartbreaking. It's it, it truly is. Uh, the solutions are to unify the country. You, you, we have communities that have traditionally been close. Uh, you know, looking at the black community and the Jewish community have always been close. We've always stood up for each other. Uh, for some reason, there's been a, a divide. Um, lately and it's it's hurtful it's upsetting because we are we as jews are always here for the black community um we we always support minority communities and try to fight for equality for everybody and to have these groups many of them turn on us leaders uh, public figures entertainment figures um it's it's unimaginable to me but uh, you know, we we have always persisted as Jews. We have always fought. We have always survived, and we will continue to survive. Yeah. And uh, I think the way to do it is uh, through education, through understanding, through unity, and working together. Yeah, so important. Yeah. So that, I mean, that tenacity and that perseverance is is biblical. And I hate to say it, but Jews have always been persecuted, and according to the Bible, always will be. And I think that that just adds to your resilience. Um, I wanted to ask you about. I think that there's a certain body of Jews who are persecuted more. Um, I, I'm here in Los Angeles, and we obviously had a, have a lot of Jewish Los Angeles, as you do uh, have, have cultural Jewish um, folks in New York. But there is a certain sector of Jewish society here, Hasidic and, and Orthodox Jews, who I think are being persecuted more. For that group of, of Jews, of devout Jews in the New York community, um, do they feel hopeful? Do they feel like this is is a pretty harsh bump in the road, but a bump in the road, no less, to, to get beyond? Sure. I, I think it's harder for the Orthodox community who wear their Judaism every day. Um, I, yeah. I, You look at me, you don't necessarily think or know that I'm Jewish. I don't wear a, a kippah and, you know, I don't, I don't have the traditional payas or a hat. Um, but many of those Jews wear their uh, Judaism every day proudly. And I, I don't think they're intimidated at all. I think they are uh, they're ready to uh, fight for their rights. They're ready to fight for their religion. They're ready to fight for their existence. And they, the Orthodox that I know are certainly not, not intimidated. In fact, none of the Jews that I know are intimidated by what's happening. We're disappointed. Um, you know, we're saddened by it because this is a country that we love and that we would do anything for. I mean, I personally would do anything for this country. There's, it's the greatest country in the world and probably the greatest country in the history of the world and has been amazing to Jews. Um, New York has the second biggest population of Jews after Israel. So um, it's, it's just heartbreaking to see a country where the, many of the people in this country turn on us. But I think mm -hmm. that will turn around. Uh, I think that uh, history shows that uh, there are ups and downs in the lives of Jews in any country. And uh, I think we will get through it. And I'm optimistic. And all the Jews I know are optimistic. Yeah, I think that's, that that's right. Sir, I want to ask you, so you said something that I think is very profound. The inspiration for this special was a little uh, incident I experienced myself. I was in a room full of young people back in November, and I asked a question about how many people knew about the role between Martin Luther King and the Jewish community and the Freedom Riders and all that. Not a single person had ever been taught that in their education. And you mentioned education. It seems like one of the places we can make great inroads is in maybe changing the curriculum to make sure that this rich history isn't lost on the next generation of children. Got about a minute left. How important is the education system to addressing this larger issue? It's, it's paramount. I, I, a lot of the youth these days don't know about the bond between the Jewish community and the black community historically, and that uh, Dr. Lu uh, Dr. King's lawyer was, was Jewish. Uh, people who helped him were Jewish. People who helped the, the movement were Jewish. And uh, if, if the youth today doesn't know that and they don't understand that bond and that connection, it makes it easier to, to hate and it makes it easier to other uh, people. And um, 
education is paramount, but unfortunately, you know, that's not happening. Our education system has uh, has gone down, um, in, both in terms of teaching our own American history, teaching uh, civil rights history, teaching Jewish history, teaching the things that are important. Um, and and that's a problem throughout our entire education system from from the beginning all the way through college. And we see what's happening in universities these days. It's uh, very painful to see. Well, one thing we know, Gary, your congregation, Temple Bethel, it would had the wisdom in 67 to host MLK. And you have the wisdom today to keep this event alive and keep educating the country. We're so grateful for your time and what your congregation is doing. God bless you, sir. Thank you, John. Thank you, Amanda. Folks, it's hard to believe we've come to the end of the hour, but we have. I hope you really enjoyed what we conversed about today. It's such an important topic. We need to educate young Americans about the MLK history and his fight against anti-Semitism. We're going to end with that note. We'll be back tomorrow. Senator Tommy Tuberville will be here. Certainly going to want to be here for that. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless. Good night. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.